0: Good morning, everybody. Hey, when you go a podcast, Chris, good morning. How, are you, how you doing, bud? Interesting.
1: Oh, we're doing, doing pretty good over here. We're we're dealing with some some high school, you know, freshman high school year hiccups. But uh other other than that, things are good.
0: That's okay. We're dealing with uh kind of on the opposite end is uh, our daughter senioritis. Yeah know, is uh well you know it's been interesting for these kids because you know, they see other kids they are getting full credit for being at school whenever they want to be. And my daughter's like, I'm a good kid. And there's other things I want to do my senior year. And she's like, you know, she's got, you know, she's keeping her grades up and everything else, but I can't, I can't blame her.
1: Hey, you well know? at least she's, at least she's keeping her grades up. She's keeping her
0: grades up. You know, it kind of took her, um, you know, I won't say off course cause she's doing good and she's always done. She's always done good. But I, I, I'm watching the kids, and I think it just this whole thing just kind of. I think I think it's multiplied to what it you know business has been great for many of us. Some of us are really struggling, but for the majority of us, business has been really solid. But I think for the school kids, man, this has just sucked.
1: I no, mean, it like, has, it has, and that's that's a chunk of what we're dealing with. It's not all of it, but I think it's literally all related.
0: Yeah, so you know, and the kids might see it that oh I'm out of school, you know, school's gotten easier, but you know, in the long run that's gonna that's also gonna come out, you know, that's it's not gonna be a good thing. So I don't know. it's uh
1: Well I can I can tell you unfortunately that the divisiveness we see across the country
0: politically yeah is present amongst fourteen year olds too. Oh yeah, no it is. Yeah, you can see it you know, you can see it in Darren and seventeen year olds, you know yep. you get you can see it. you know, we just had a situation last night with one of her friends and you know, it's I don't know. It's weird. It's interesting. So you know, but I the good news is I woke up this morning early, and uh, and and wrote some stuff, and and uh, I stayed away from the news because I didn't want to I didn't want to find out what episode of Twilight Zone, we're in <laughs> today. You know, is that? It's just been. It's just been, you know, uh, nearly seven hundred, over seven hundred days of Twilight Zone. So, you know, it's I think we're two, running out of episodes. I hope, two, you know, two, two years of reruns. Like God, man, seven. You know, yeah, it's like, geez. Well, no, I think these are all new ones because <laughs> these. Let me let me tell you, as creative as what was the guy's name that produced produced that?
1: Well, the host was Rod Serling.
0: Well, and he and he's the one that came up. I think he was the the mastermind because a lot he? of storylines were from his. If you if you go back to it, a lot of them were World War II times and stuff like that. Well, he served in World War II, and so he related a lot of that back to it. I don't think, I don't think he could have figured. I don't think he would have ever thought that this shit would be happening here. As crazy as the Twilight Zone was, I think he'd be going. I I got nothing. You know, I got nothing. You know. Yeah. Nothing, you know? Well, my
1: my my favorite and most memorable Twilight Zone episode was the one with the the creatures on the wing of the airplane.
0: Yeah, that was a cool one. So I go through, we still watch them, you know, I'll go back and watch them and I haven't watched them in a while. So I have to look them up. So, well, good morning, everybody. So we're going to jump in and, you know, talk about, um, you need, you need to perform at a very high level. But a lot of people think that, uh, you know, there's a new trend going on right now that everybody's all these new training people talking about. Oh, we're the first ones to ever talk about business. Well, my book was released on August 12th, 2022. It's going to be 10 years ago. And the book has almost nothing to do about skills of detailing. It's all about the business of detailing. So I hate to tell those guys that are just so brand new and doing something unique, they're about 10 years behind. Um, and so, and if you don't believe me, you know we've sold about a hundred thousand copies. We're pretty blessed, but we're going to go back over because the baseline, even though this book um, is, is, you know, 10 years ago right now, oh man, we're, oh man, it was a rough time. 10 years ago, finishing that book up. That was, that was, it was a rough few months, but. We um, you know, the principles of it remain the same. the The principles don't change. That's some of my favorite business books. Well, I mean, you look at the Art of War. I mean, that thing. I've I've read that book. I don't know, maybe 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 two dozen times. Now I've got a condensed version that our oldest daughter gave me that that is just kind of the highlights, the best parts of the book. So I read that now, you know, more often. But it's really cool my to come back notes. on it. Yeah, it's it, exactly it, and then. You know, it's that, that book's, you know, the art of that's thousands of years old. So it's pretty cool. So, um, you know, I really based off of this and you got to remember when I wrote that book, you know, I was knee deep into into um, the trenches like many of you are, you know, running active shops and so forth. And it was a thing that we learned from not just starting up detailing companies, but starting up many different companies in many different industries and having success at it. So. Uh, name of the book is How to Start a uh, Home-Based Car Detailing Business. I didn't get to name it. Uh, I didn't <laughs> like that name. I still hate there that name, is. but I had a publisher that insisted on it, so we did it. Well, um, I keep
1: a, I keep a copy at my desk. I refer to it pretty much weekly, and uh, it's still got all my notes and highlights and stuff from when I first read it back in, I don't know, 2013, 2014,
0: probably right too. around there. Wow. So That's... Uh, I've still got, I've got a couple copies I usually Sometimes I carry one with me and it's just because again, it's, it's, um, it's kind of a baseline. I spoke from my heart. Now, a lot of people ask me, you know, where's book number two. We actually have a book deal. It's done, but COVID just screwed everything up. And so I've got to get reengaged back into that and try to get it, uh, try to get it done. I've actually got an offer for two. Um, and I think I'm going to go back. One's already accepted, but I'm going to try to put the other one in front of that one. And just because it's related with 10 years with this one coming out, I could, I could write that one and it kind of is an update to this one. And so uh, what we've learned, we've learned a lot since then, because when that book released, we were uh, seven years into training. Now we're, um, 17 years into training, you know? So, it's we've we've been able to take and help a lot of people launch businesses and do well, and uh, we'd like to update that. So let's talk about this is is what what you need to how how you need to perform. first off, successful detailers must master both business and physical skills. Now, I'm going to keep going back and forth on, on where I relate to this is my first detailing business. Uh, when I look back at it, I was able to sell it and, and, and make money on it. And was it a success? No, I was lucky in a lot of terms. Um, Really, where I got good was in between selling that first business and then moving on. Is I went back into I was a uh, an artist, purely learning the skill of detailing, and then I went in and started other businesses. And and I really at that point took on mentors, you know, coaches. I, I got a, a, a formal education. I uh, started taking entrepreneurial classes, uh, you know, business finance classes, all these other things, and actually started becoming a real uh, entrepreneur. And, and that first time I was a kid, I was lovable. Um, I was likable. I worked hard. Everybody, everybody respects a a kid. That's 14 years old to 19 years old going out and hustling and making things happen. And that's what I did. And people appreciated it. And I built a business off that. I had no idea how to build a business. I did know how to build relationships. I did know how to detail. I would say, okay. At that point, not really, not even good, you know? probably by those standards back then, I was probably good. You know, I I wasn't, I was not, not, not even an honorable mention in the best, you know, Um, I was a kid and, and really um, I wasn't even playing office. I didn't know what entrepreneur meant back then, you know, that matter of fact, that wasn't a, a word that we threw around, you know, way back then, but it's become, it's become more evident. I'm not sure entrepreneur. I think it's, Sometimes I don't like to use that word because it's overused because anybody can title that at it. And anybody, listen, anybody can take a business license out and call themselves an entrepreneur, you know. Um, but are you successful? Are you happy? Are you balanced? Are you bringing money in? Are you changing lives? All these different things. So I went back to the baseline and became a technician through passion it is I, I went from there um, and went into the window tinting industry um, again. uh kind of skipped over the artist side of it and i built off of my ability to build relationships then i went to school got really really good at window tinting um much better than i was as a detailer and because i saw the value of formal education and going to classes and becoming that good and the level i was working at and the level of of jobs that we're getting i had to be that good that comes right down to that you must master both the technical skills, but more importantly, the business skills. Your detailing skills must be at a very high level. You know, you can fake it till you make it. That was a, a, it still, I that around not as much as I used to. In our industry up until probably 10 years ago, there was a lot of people doing that. There's still people doing it. If they've got really good personal skills and so forth, they're going to they're gonna probably be able to pull it off, but the numbers are really low. But the, the problem is, is you've got so much competition out there that's really good that Mm -hmm. really know what they're doing uh, these days, that are really well-rounded. It's not only – matter of fact, we've got a lot more executives coming into the detail industry that already have a business education, and they know how to start and run a business. They're just learning the skills. And so, you know, to get good at something, you know, electrician, you know, they're going to go through a four-year apprenticeship program before they become a journeyman. And even then, they're going to be a new journeyman for a while. So it's going to take you know six eight years to really get it to where it's a mastered level. Detailing's um, I don't think it's really any different to be that well rounded in all aspects of detailing. It's going to take you a long time to do it, especially tying in the profits to it. Detailing at a high level means more than one, than one would think. A lot more than one would think. And we're going to go into this, and I want you to stick with me on this. Performing at a high level means that it's it's that you're responsible, that you're doing responsible things within your work. It's just like a doctor or a, or a paramedic or an EMT is there's many times that we went out to uh, rescue somebody and they were in dire straits. They were really I mean, I, I could tell you stories, not an appropriate time of some people that put themselves in some really bad positions and we had to get them out of it. And we couldn't go in there and break them apart to get them out of a uh, even though there's a couple times we did, I can think of. But we couldn't, we couldn't take and, uh, you know, cut a limb off uh, to get them unstuck from a rock. There's people that have done that. But we, our, our whole thing was do no harm. We wanted to take and get them out of that situation without bringing any more harm to them. Detailers need to look at, at detailing the same exact way. Technicians need to look at it the same exact way. Is that you, you can't wildly do things to a vehicle that is going to cause damage to it. And a lot of people don't even know what they're doing. That they are. I, I I looked at a video the other day of a guy buffing a car, and he put a video up on Instagram, and he is so proud of the video. And I'm going, he's murdering the paint. I mean, he's just murdering the paint. But yet he thinks he's just doing this great job. And I mean, part of me pities the guy, and the other part of me is angry at the guy because it's obvious he's never gone and gotten any kind of formal education. He's self-taught. It's tribal knowledge, and it's a bunch of people that are teaching each other the wrong way. There's some great learning opportunities out there, and a lot of them don't cost anything. Manufacturers putting on classes all the time, and that guy, had never, he'd never been to one because there's no way that he would detail like that. It was irresponsible to see that. I go into places, and I see people that are detailing, and they're just soaking the interiors of the car, soaking it. That's not the way to go at it. And so with that, let's talk about it for a second, is you've got to have integrity in detailing. You've got to know the latest and greatest. You've got to know the cause and effect. So every time you do something to a vehicle is that, A, you should know. You should be formally trained. Is that I don't know too many professions that they could go out there and start doing things where they could damage things where they're not have some kind of formal education. There's junior colleges that offer this stuff, but yet so many people are being Not responsible one ounce in doing things. Um, It's like a chef is. They start. They they think they like to cook at home. Listen, cooking at home for your mom and dad is one thing. Mom and dad are going to say, mmm, yum," and they're going to up chuck into the toilet. But they're going to tell you it tastes good. The next thing you know, that chick's out there or that dude's out there starting a restaurant. Guess what? You're going to get eaten alive. Detox is the same way. So many people make a small group happy. And then there's nothing to take and, and verify their skills. There's nothing that's going to take and verify that they're doing the right or wrong things. Unless they go get a formal education from people that are in the know, from a vetted group of people. It can cost you nothing. They're out there. But yet people are taking and being reckless with this because they think it's detailing. What you're doing is, I'll tell you, anybody that's professional, I'd be pissed off because this is your industry and you're allowing other people, a bunch of gypsies to piss in the industry. And it's not right. Now I understand starting out and you're brand new, but here's the deal. I'm giving you an alternative right now. Go find a manufacturer that's putting on classes that putting on open houses, even an open house, a two hour open house. You're going to go down and, and you know, if, if P&S, double blacks, putting it on, or if Rupes put putting on flex, putting it on all these different manufacturers, we all go out and do it. You're going to learn. Maybe it's not going to be at a real high level, but you know what, I respect that when I see people out there. So let's talk interiors. A lot of people will take and they skip over right now. The big buzzword, you know, of course it is with, with paint, correction and coating. It's where the money is. It has changed the industry. It's one of the things that's changed the industry more than anything. Not the number one thing. I think the number one thing is, is people, the people in the industry have changed. They've gotten educated. They've seen value in getting educated they've decided to get educated they've decided hey this is a real deal there's real opportunity to make real money here and i got to treat it responsibly and that's what it is it's are you going to be responsible or are you going to be irresponsible so let's talk about interiors a lot of people will take and they, uh, they, they they justify it as too easy one of the toughest sciences in detailing is figuring out interiors we're in a we're in a period right now where, where paint systems are changing a lot we're in a period where we've been in a period since day one and we will really, be where interiors constantly change. They never hold still. But yet we treat interiors the same over and over and over and over again. From car to car to car, nothing changes. That's the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do. So this means that you're going to act in a professional way. You're going to get educated in a professional way. And you're going to treat your customers and their vehicles in a professional way. You must be dedicated to that integrity and that do no harm. Don't take it. Our job is to make a car to its maximum potential, to bring it up as much as we can without damaging it, especially on factory finishes, whether it's interior or exterior, it's a whole different game on factory than it is aftermarket. You get a great paint job on a, on a custom car. We can do a whole lot more to that, that paint, a whole lot more on a factory paint job. Some of these, you know, we, we, we're just working. We do. We work on all Porsches in the training. And some of those measurements were really low, right out of the factory. And, and Porsche is kind of on the thick side right now compared to other brands. We had that, Chris, what was the brand? We, we got a Bronco in. One of our guys got a Bronco in. What was the measurement on that Bronco?
1: Oh, my goodness. It was
0: 2.7. In mils. I mean. Yeah. Brand was, new on the hood. I mean, Corvettes are the same way. The new Corvettes are the same way. I'm not going to beat up on Ford. Because you can actually see thin spots on some of the vets. It's unbelievable. You got to know to do that. Are you using a paint gauge? Are you doing these different things? Are you being do you know how to do one? Do you know what the actual paint system means? This is why it's important for you to get connected, not just on YouTube, but in person. Because again, the people you're listening to, are they truly vetted? Even some of the most famous people in the in the industry, you know, yeah, they're they're regurgitating things, but if they ever actually done it. You know, have they actually ever had to take and make a living from it? I mean, a constant living. Yeah, they're making big money on producing intel and information, and that's awesome. But you're not that person. You're not producing YouTube videos. You're producing your income from doing detailing. You need to go and find out the facts from somebody that is where you want to be in life. Not some projected, you know, make-believe, but for real. Um... Those who perform and succeed at the highest levels with the detailing now understand and do a great job evaluating a vehicle's needs. This is all Chris's idea. He added this in there. This is so important. This is so important because here's why. You've got to do an evaluation on the vehicle. We've got some really successful detailers in the industry that they won't even talk prices until they see the vehicle. And you know, we've got something, you know, okay, so not everybody's gonna tell you're, you're mobile. You can't go out to every location, and I would not suggest that either, unless people are willing to pay for it, you know, and then give them a credit back. Say, well, you know, I got to come out if you want me to come out. It's a X amount, you know. Figure out your hourly wage, charge charge them the hourly wage for the time out there, and then give them that in credit in the event that they buy the the detail. You know, that could be a way. But the other way is use technology. Is we've all got these phones that will do Facetime and and and, and you can go over you can go over uh, with 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 Facebook video, you can all these, do these all different things and take a look, not live, but live. Zoom's become a reality for business. Why aren't we using technology with our phones at evaluating vehicles remotely? It's totally impossible and doable. Is it gonna be as good as seeing it in person? No, but it's a close second. It's not too shabby, you can get things done. So you've gotta take and look at those needs and then you gotta be honest with yourself. And here's the other, a, a big hint. When I was, when, when, when I've been evaluating cars, when I was active in the shops, I never gave a hard number. I learned the hard way because once you get the, the dirt off that vehicle, or once you start digging into it a little bit, guess what? You're going to find other things that might need to be done. So I always gave a range. I love giving ranges. Is, is, you know, Hey, on the exterior of your car, you're looking at eight, $800, $1,000. Wow. Can I narrow it down a little bit? Once I get it prepped, get, get on it, get it washed real well, get my hands on it. Get into the shop, get it into your garage with lights on it, I'll be able to take and give you that hard number. Until then, I can't. Is doing a proper evaluation is absolutely and then in the next run on this, Chris added, is is that you've got to be able to take and not only take in and, and, and do an evaluation, but then you got to work off of a profitable menu system that's gonna allow you to take and profitize per hour off that vehicle. You've got to be able to estimate the, the hours it's gonna take. Yep. You've got to take and be able to take and work off that menu. Here's the other thing I always tell people. Don't draw from the hip. Don't be a quick draw off your menu. Have either a printed copy of it or have, have it on your phone. Phone's kind of small. Have it on a tablet where you can flip through it. Also, make your menu very small. You don't need all these items. I go into these shops and these, these there's, there's a board sitting up there and there's 42 things on it. It's like going into an, a... Uh, what, Cheese, what cheesecake factory. Yeah, it's like a cheesecake factory. It's like, what the hell do I want to eat? I'm just gonna to go to the cheapest thing. I, I, I'm gonna to go to the salad now. You know, is take and have it down to a very simplified menu to where you know. Listen, if you don't, if and it, it, you don't need that big of a menu, it's complicated. You got to keep a lot of things in stock. You and then and then the customers are. And what's really the difference between all of them? How close are you? Just don't be over clever. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are trying to be over clever with their menu. Keep it very simple. Some of the most profitable businesses in any industry, keep it simple. You know, I always use In-N-Out as an example. Chick-fil-A is an example. They don't have complicated menus. And most of us, when we go into an establishment like that, can walk in, identify what we want. It's done. It takes and it speeds up the process. They can They can serve more customers better. Did you just hear that? When your menu is smaller, you're gonna serve more people better. And then people are gonna go out and talk about your menu because they can remember it and it's easy to make a decision. And personalize it, be part of it. You wanna be part of this whole experience. Is it's not just your company, it's you. I see all these fancy logos and there's, man, some of you guys have got some cool logos. And the one thing is, I don't know who you are. I see your logo, but I don't see you. And you know what? I'm not buying yep. from a logo. Okay, Amazon, I know that. Eh, the smiley thing, you know? I know that. You know, truckload and Amazon Prime, it's more than a box. It's a truckload, whatever the well, hell you it know is. that
1: that little smile, that's Jeff Bezos' smile.
0: He's taking all your money to the bank. That's exactly it. Yeah, and he's <laughs> loving it. Da, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, you ever get the feeling that he wishes, though, that, that uh, you think he ever looks over at SpaceX and those guys, and, you know, those two... Zzz, you know, do you think he looks at Musk and just kind of goes, man, I wish I was him? You know, I, I, I think he does. Maybe. I, I think he does. I think he does. I think, I, I think he's kind of jealous of the dude. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing is that when you perform these things and you go down and you're doing evaluations, you've got your mini figured out. You're really tracking your man hours. You're really tracking what's profitable. You're really tracking what sells. You're really tracking what makes you money that sells. And more importantly, what doesn't make you money? So many people in business, they sell something because it's popular. But when you get down to it and you do all the numbers, they're not making much off of it. And that's great if you're Amazon because they're selling, you know, five billion widgets a day. And they only make two cents a widget. But at the end of the year, they've made a lot of money off those widgets. We're not that. You know, we're not that. We're we're, we're not going to have that in this industry, especially in almost any service company. You're not. It's just not a, a possibility um high level detail you understand the science regarding paint correction and paint perfection okay we're going to piss off some people right now this is going to be fun is that those operators highest levels also they take a creed an oath to do no harm we've talked about that it's really important i'm mentioning it again is that right now is that we are seeing a depletion in the paint systems in new cars coming out of the factory meaning that the paints getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Jason Rose with Group S, he speaks about this as good or better than anybody I've ever heard. And what's happening right now is that when you take and, and, and perfection at all cost, as I see this, I think all of us see this every single day. as these, you know, I'm putting it, grinding on the pain 18 hours a day, dude, you know, and I'm taking it down. And, I, you know, I did 14 freaking correction steps and I sanded it. You know, here's the deal is there's a healthy clear coat that is pretty damn thin now. And if you get into that sponge, you get into that soft side of that clear coat, you you eat up too much of it, that whole paint system is going to fail because of you. And a lot of people don't want to talk about that. And so you've got to be real of what you can do. And then also when you're doing it, what you're putting on top of it. You know, we, we just we, we took and sanded on a Porsche last week that had gotten keyed. Um, amazing. I got to put up the after video of how it turned out. We took very little clear coat off. And the other thing was, We took and also coated it. We made sure to get a very durable coating on there just to make sure that that anybody that comes behind us, a new owner of the vehicle, anything like that, also reporting it over to Carfax. All these things are very, very important because we don't want to take and have somebody else, a a brother or sister in the industry, come behind us and, and hunk it up because we went all out on paint that we shouldn't have. And so you've got to be able to explain yourself through that. Well, you know, that's my job to make it. You know, as perfect as I can, my customers expect that. Well, are you having the conversation with them of the truths of what you're doing to the paint? Because there's, I would say, eight out of 10 people are going to tell you not to do that to their car if they totally understood what you're doing. If I had the conversation with them, would they still let you do it? Ask yourself that. And if you don't know what that conversation is, you need to get out to events in 2022 and attend these events and start learning those things because all of us were new i'm not beating up on new people at all all of us were new and didn't know shit i'm new every day i wake up with the idea that i'm going to learn something new today that's going to change my life that's going to take and impact it and make it better some way all of us are new all of us started out at ground zero a lot of us like to forget about that you know and snicker at the no it's new but you've got engaged not anybody else's responsibility except for yours no also is that in that is those paint systems are really, they're really, really uh, involved. They're very, very, you can't just, the days of just putting a polisher on it and cranking on it is good. Now, there are a few brands out there that do hold up better. You know, my Ram truck, really hard clear coat, uh, decent clear coat on it. Uh, Orange pilly, there's a lot of texture to it. A lot of people say, oh, man, you're going to flatten it out and take the texture out. Guess what? Probably Eight out of 10 times on factory paint, you just destroyed the paint system and you don't know it when you take all that texture out of there because you've already gone through all the healthy clear coat and you didn't know it. And I know there's going to be people arguing with me. Hey, man, as soon as you've gone on the line at Tesla, as soon as you got on the line at Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, as soon as you got on the line at Porsche, as soon as you've gone on the line at Karma, as soon as you got on the line with this Fisker, uh, at Porsche and uh, BMW in Germany, uh, come talk to me because I've been on the line and we talked to the people that paint these things that run the robots, they don't paint them anymore. They run the robots to paint them. And so that's the other thing, go, go YouTube, some great, great videos and see how they do it. So I think
1: back to this, uh, you know, this Bronco, we were talking about at 2.7, you know, that the, the poor owner of that truck, the minute he takes it off road and gets some of those, what do they call them? Arizona pinstripes or, or whatever. Yeah, you know, and he's going to want to get that fixed sometime, but he could really only fix that once if he's lucky.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know. Maybe. Yeah. And, and and you know, I I would I would polish that I would polish that vehicle out and coat it with several several layers of coating. You know. Yeah. Um, we've got our new camper for our Overland vehicle. I don't know what this stuff's like. It's an aluminum body. I already took it out because I couldn't wait. You know, to get it. You know, out into the field, and we've already scratched it up a little bit. So I got to buff it out, and then I I'm going to put. You know. 14 layers of legend on it just to to build it up because it's going to have a lot of a lot of adventures going to it you know um so sanding let's talk about this every every professional detail out there should be very confident in their sanding abilities they should be trained they should go to classes on sanding um i'm a big i've been a big pusher of dry sanding for 20 years um and the reason why is i feel that my personal opinion, this is not, this is just mine. I'm not bragging on anybody that does any wet sanding. I primarily have sanded on factory uh, paint job systems. So, with that, I think that the dry sanding is a lot gentler. I call it a scalpel versus a hatchet. Um, wet sanding has been around for a while. There are better papers now, but I think the most popular papers, again, just my opinion, uh, for wet sanding are junk. I think that a lot of them just, they're hatchet. Uh, now, if you're going after really high-end secondary paint jobs out of a not, – not a collision center, but a, a true – you, you know, you're working on a car that was built for purpose uh, and it's got a beautiful paint job, you can get away with a lot more because there's a lot more healthy clear on that vehicle and you mm-hmm. can do a lot more to it. But on factory, I'm talking about factory paint jobs. You better know what you're doing. You better know – you better be trained in it. You've got to get somebody that's done a lot of it to show you what's going on, as simple as that. Um, the most challenging aspect is in, in detailing is a lot of people want to go you know down through the steps right when we were in Germany uh, they showed Diane and I this was this was a long time ago the the Europeans at least those that we worked with they had a an absolute meticulous checkoff sheet especially for interiors but the whole vehicle but what we were most what we were most blown away at was their ability to take and go right through the numbers, you know, one, two, three, four, a, b, c, d. They didn't skip over anything. Everything was checked on every car, but they had a checkoff list for stage one, two, and three. It was a different checkoff list. Then it was a checkoff list for stage one, two, three on the outside. It was a checkoff list for coding, what to look for. And they just didn't assume that they got it. They went up, got the clipboard, or they got the the, the software. And they went down the list, and as they inspected the vehicle, they checked it off. What that does is it kind of skips over human error, to where we accidentally missed something. So, at high levels, is that you can't be you can't be skipping over things. Uh, sometimes people say, "Oh, I'll just you know camouflage detail." Um, that's great on on, on entry level details, but when you get into the higher stuff, you skip something you skip something in the middle. I guarantee you, at the end, it's going to show up especially in paint correction, especially in interiors. I can go through an interior. My wife, Diane, can go through an interior and inspect it, and in five minutes, she'll tear that thing to pieces if, if, if somebody's if somebody's camouflage detailed it, meaning they've just skipped over and they're trying to hide it. The same with the exterior. is It's the little things. You want to get into competition and look at a competition level, uh, which a lot of people like to talk about, you know, the best, the best, the best. Really, you really want to go there because if you're going to go there Uh, We've got some great judges that will rip you apart if you're skipping over things. But here's the problem. A lot of people aren't skipping over things. They're doing a great job, but they're not tracking their man hours and they're losing their butt. Their profitability is in the tank because they're overanalyzing everything they do. And they're in a market that the customers just aren't that picky. They might think they are, but I'll tell you, we've got a really good friend of ours that we've, we've, we've taken and. Corrected his cars in training many times anybody that comes to our training as we do a one two and three And out in the sun a trained eye will be able to see the difference between stage one two and three This guy's a serious car guy And and he gets so aggravated with me because he's never been able to really tell the difference He'll pick an area. Okay. This is better than that area. Nope. That one's got more, you know So we'll go through and we've trained him over time of what he's looking at and it really bothers him But if you if you skip over things, we're gonna see it now Going from that, interior challenges. The big thing I've heard, and it's grown in this last year, is I've heard this more and more, is that I'm a coding expert. I sent all of my interiors to somebody else. Uh, WTF. You know, I mean, WTF. what, what, What are you doing? Because let me tell you, why don't you hire somebody, train them in interiors to be an interior expert, just like you're a paint correction expert and coding expert, and keep that customer in-house because here's what's going to happen if I'm your competitor and you send them to me, you're never going to see them again. Is that my, my level of service is going to be above, my level of the experience I give is going to be above, um, the level of follow-up is going to be above. You've got a good chance you're never going to see that customer again. Because you got to remember, just because the person down the street isn't just oh you know i'm am I'm a, I'm a i'm a i'm a paint correction artist and coding specialist just because they're not throwing that out there doesn't mean they're not doing it it could be as good as you or even better and they're just not touting it the same way you are now i'm not doubt hey if you if you're that good and you've got a following and the cockiness is, is is selling jobs for you great more at it but i'm just telling you right now if you send if you send me an interior because we're known for our interiors. All our shops did a great job. We're known for everything we did. If you send somebody to me, you're not going to get them back. And so you got to be really careful with that because everybody's going to have a time where their car, the interior gets dirty. They're not always going to do it themselves. And if they have a problem in the interior and you're sending them away and you send it to the wrong professional, that professional is going to take advantage of that moment. They're going to seize a new client. You're going to lose, you're going to lose a client. Boy, and that to me is just, that is reckless. You cannot do that and, kind and, of stuff.
1: And not only that, but the client is always going to want simplicity, right? Oh, They're going to want that one stop shop. They don't want to go multiple places if they don't have to. No. Not, yeah. not, not these days.
0: No. Well, yeah. I mean, look at, you know, I, I almost feel like right now I've, I've got to have a talk with Diane because I, I feel like uh, I think I've got an Amazon, I, I think she didn't tell me, and she's, she's building an Amazon warehouse. You know, here in Big Bear. I mean, the amount of cardboard we've gotten rid of in the last month that just all from Amazon, it's like, what, 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 wow, you know, but, you know, you got to be careful with that because people, Amazon has made one thing very simple and, and, and that's shopping yep. and getting the things we need. With that, it has. It's made it. The shops that are doing, a you know, a spa. We had the spa idea. We, we started a spa and it's changed a lot, but back in 2002, We went to that with multiple services out of our shops to where people didn't have to leave we even had one of our locations that we did oil changes out of because we are doing a lot of vehicles that these people were you know time was everything and uh we are doing we're doing oil changes out of it you know um and i was like i don't want to do that and we started doing it and we made made a lot of money off of it you know we did really well with it and then people it was really cool because here's why is that you know most people will have at least three or four oil changes a a um, my phone's ringing uh, we'll have three or four oil changes a year right yeah well, every time they came back in we are getting them on the detail side so it almost became that the the oil change was the hook you know because it was constantly bringing them back in um, now it's a different world because dealerships have lost a lot of service so they're really competing for that oil change business they're pre-selling services they're doing all kinds of stuff. So I just use that as an example of something we did. Um, Let me also tell you this is that um, successful detailers are, when they start out, I can always tell one that's gonna struggle a little bit for a few years because they're all about being a technician and it's an 80-20 split. They're 80% technician, 20% business. The people that come in that are the opposite, they're, They're 80% business and 20% technician. They usually end up being a better technician. Because here's why. Right off the bat, they're building profits into their business that allows them to go get further education and more experience and more exposure. Is the guy that's a technician is a starving artist, can't go anywhere, can't afford to do anything. He or she is is kind of stuck in their little bubble, you know. Um, of course the the world looks great for in that bubble. It's when you get out of that bubble that it starts waking you up. So it's funny because the people that come to us that are more business minded ended up end up being many times the better technician. And um, it's been really cool to see that. I didn't know if I'd see that in my career in the industry. I didn't know if that would actually take shape or not. And it's fully taking shape now. So, you know, we've got, you know, accountants, CPAs, lawyers. All these different people that are pretty savvy people that are now getting into service businesses and they're killing it. And the reason why is they already understand the importance of education. Uh, they're putting on an experience. So the showmanship's really good. Uh, and then they're, they're, they're gaining information and intelligence uh, by gaining uh, access to people and training uh, and events. And it's just, it's filling their guns more and load them up heavy. And they're coming out in a couple of years The guy that's just an unbelievable technician really hasn't moved anywhere because they're so slotted into one spot into their bubble and yet this other person has opened up their whole world and now all of a sudden they've actually moved ahead they're ahead already in business and now their head is a technician um, because they've seen the world so to say so the world traveled where all of a sudden this one person's just got a very small tribe and that tribe is the only one that feeds him or her and that tribe's starving and it's all too relative, not just in detailing, but in most service industries. But a lot of technicians in any industry get into that whole, you know, Helen Keller situation where I'm blind to death and they just they won't they won't they, they can't get out of it. A lot of times, by the time they realize what they've done, it's too late and they'll lose their, they'll, they'll lose their business and it creates a real stressful situation. So my challenge to you right before this, I'm going to give you some takeaways. Special thanks to PNS. Uh, we appreciate them. <coughs> Double black team of always backing us up. Uh, we're gonna be down at Mobile Tech uh, here this next week for those that are joining us. Can't wait to see you. Uh, I've got a lot of booth appearances uh, that we're gonna be at. So we'll be putting up some slides of where to come find me at. Naturally, I'll be at the PNS booth. And then after hours, the show is amazing. This is the show that I really think, for those that don't know, there was about six or eight of us that came together way back 2005 2006 and i think that the foundation for an industry shift started at this show way back then and it's the after hours of this show is incredible it's incredible time to meet people get to know people uh learn share and it's also a great time to watch the absolute psycho crazy pdr guys uh they 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 make us detailers look mild those pdr they know how to party and uh they have a good time so we have a we have a great time of socializing uh we have a mafia event on sunday so those those that are watching yep. there are in a group that's gonna be a fun event day event where we're gonna take and talk about biz and lifestyle and all that good stuff
1: and a big uh, uh regarding that a big shout out to the to the team at auto geek for uh for sponsoring that for us they're Just making it happen want everybody to know that they're supporting our group and helping to make that happen because uh you know meeting space and food for a group of 50 guys isn't cheap
0: <laughs> yeah no it is especially our, our people they, they they eat well so uh, auto geek thanks a lot you know i've been shopping i've been i've been a supporter uh i've been a fan of auto geek for 20 years uh over 20 years uh right to their i remember i remember when their first ad started pop, popping up and i was like what's an auto geek you know when the internet was brand new and they're just launching you know all their online efforts and I quickly learned and, you know, pretty soon the orders were coming in, you know, pretty soon. I mean, for a while there, um, they were a single source for us. There there was no better source in the industry still. I mean, they're just, they're, they're a stand-up company. So this is an example of it. And then we got two open garages. We're going to be down at uh, Miami Lux down in, in the Miami area. And then we're going to be back up at Firehouse up in Jacksonville on Tuesday. So Monday we'll be in Miami. And then Tuesday we'll be up in Jacksonville, and then Wednesday a week after we get there we'll be home. So uh, we're really happy that. Okay, one good takeaway is stop being a technician. In 2022, I want you guys. You still you've got to be you've got to be a great technician. You have to be. I'm not saying you don't. You have to be. You know what you're doing. But what I want you to do is shift over and for this year concentrate on being 60 to 80 percent an entrepreneur, 60 to 80 percent a business owner. 60 to 80% a salesperson, 60 to 80% a marketing person. See what happens to your company. If you commit to that, you're going to be blown away a year from now of how much change has come to your company because it's going to give you more income to go and become a better technician next year. And so not saying not to be a technician, not saying the technicians, but I'm telling you what right now is that you've got to be an entrepreneur before you're anything. Cause if you're not, is it's gonna cost you dearly and it could cost you everything. You gotta remember right now, the failure rate on businesses by five years, most of us are gone. By 10 years, about 70, 75% of us are gone. I think that number's a little stronger right now um, because there's so many strong people out there and the weak are falling to the wayside. Don't be a weak. And the reason why they're, 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 they're suffering usually isn't because they're a bad technician. It's usually because they're a bad business person. So become a great business person. So, hey, Chris, thanks for putting you put a lot of this together. This is a good one.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I've got a a little final thought, too. You know, if you guys uh, do put in that effort, you know, you're making sure you're performing at a high level because you you got educated, you got some certifications or whatever. Don't forget to make sure you market that to your customers. Um, Make sure they know that you've done the things to perform at a high level. Make sure that they're seeing those really cool, before and after pictures that you're educating them on what makes you different, why you perform at a high level compared to the average detailer. Um, you know, don't just you know, don't just keep those things hidden. Put them out there. Make sure they know about them.
0: God, that's so brilliant because you know a lot of people I hear this all the time with the Ida. Well, I really don't. You know, my customers don't ask for it. It's because you're not marketing it. Yep. You know, in, in, in 2000, uh, nine, 1999, we started a certification in-house, and it was a real certification to where all of all of our technicians had to go through and to become a master detailer. It would take two or three years, and we were serious about it. And we put through people though, through those trainings and continued education in-house. And then what we did is we, we marketed that to our customers of how we trained and certified our, our technicians. People love that shit. The reason why it's not important to them is because it's not important to you. But I'll tell you again, if you're marketing against a person that's putting that out there in your market and you're not, uh, I can tell you this. You're not going to be if you are number one, you're not going to be number one for long because that that person is a smart marketing person, an expert. They're going to come in and the people that that aren't too sure about what you're doing, uh, they're going to gravitate towards a, a vetted source versus an unvetted source so and you can go in all of us have eaten at a restaurant you can tell a a non-trained chef in a heartbeat you know it's uh frozen foods and gummy seafood and all these different things it's you know tastes like plastic and and you you can see it in a heartbeat guess what once they see the difference between you a non a a non formally trained person and i'm not saying i got all my street smarts where did i get mine i still go to continue education chris and i are constantly uh i've gone to rupus training i've gone to flex training i've gone to interior trainings i've gone I've gone to water damage trainings. I've gone to spot removal trainings. We constantly go to trainings to get better because we don't know it all. Never will. No, do you? And so go out there and get an education. Market that education. That was a great, great point, uh, Chris. So with that, I've got to get busy because we're going to be filming some videos here. Yeah, shortly. you
1: got you got some uh, Justin Lobato's on his way. Uh, Megan's on her way. Uh, Bob Phillips is on his way. You're going to have a, a full house there.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun. So we're we're pretty excited. So. Well, cool. Hey, everybody go out there, uh, make it a successful day. And again, stand up with the challenge, make 2022, uh, the year that you become an the entrepreneur, the small business owner, not the technician. You're going to be real happy. You did it. So take care everybody. Chris, again, thanks for your input. We'll see you all later. God bless, man. We'll see you.
1: Yep. See you guys next time.